Hi there. Uh, Bibles, I didn't want to forget this time. If you need a Bible, we might have some Bibles to be passed out. Elliot promised me there would be Bibles being passed Oh, yep, over yonder. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll be by. Nikki's on the way. Wow, the whole front row forgot. Wow. It's okay, we'll hook you up. Uh, my name, while they're passing those out, my name's Tyler Ruane. Um, I'm a second grade teacher, so this is a little different audience for me here. But I have found some former second grade teachers. Wow, way to take care of the front row. You guys good now? We good? Awesome. Bibles? I think we're all good. All right. Uh, ben was here two weeks ago, for those of you who were here. Not last week, because there was snow. Um, he started the relationship series. He talked about um, knowing ourselves better through knowing God. Did an amazing job. All right. Tonight, I get to teach about how to be a bad friend. So that's going to be awesome. It's uh, night two of the relationship series. Um, to kind of get this topic started, I asked, I have three boys at home, a second grader, a first grader, and a two-year-old. I asked them what a bad friend was, just kind of get a definition of kids these days. Um, my eight-year-old went into a very traumatic story of someone breaking the rules at recess, and about 30 seconds in, I regretted asking the question, so I don't know exactly what he said. Um, my first grader uh, said that it's a mean person, man a few words, second grader Dawson. Then my two-year-old, Ashton, I don't know if he actually answered the question. He just called me a poopy butt and then said I couldn't go to Mickey's house, which I think is Disney World, which apparently the rest of my family is going to in April, not me anymore. But uh, moral of the story is we kind of have different definitions of what a bad friend is or standards, and uh, my two-year-old Ashton and I are not on the greatest terms right now. But uh, I wanted to get kind of a feel of who I'm working with here tonight, so... Um, I love when people screenshot funny text messages and then they post them on social media. It's hilarious to me. So I found five of them tonight that I think like, could be good friend, bad friend, but I need to know kind of what your standards are. So we're going to throw some up on the screen. If you think the person who initiated the text messages is a good friend, you give them a round of applause, okay? If you think it was a bad friend, you give me a nice caw like you would do like if you're a lookout, all right, and there's like danger coming. All right, so let's practice. Good friend, you. Yup. Bad friend? It's beautiful. It's beautiful. All right, here comes the first one. All right. Hey, are you over your breakup yet? I don't know why. I thought maybe you'd like to go get a burrito with me. Not really hungry. Well, then can I borrow 20 bucks? I don't really have any cash and I need a burrito. What do you guys? Okay, good to know. Good to know. I thought different than Anthony on that one. All right, next one. Uh, I fell off a 50-foot ladder today. OMG, are you okay? Yeah, luckily I was on the first step. Never do this again. It's a bad friend, I feel like. Okay, getting to know the audience. Here comes the next one. Dude, yeah. You know what would be awesome to do on boring days? What? What? Tell me. Okay, so we should go to Ikea, and then we hide in those closet thingies, and then... When someone walks by, we walk out and say, I'm back from Narnia. This is why we, yes, no cacaws on that one. All right, here's our fourth one. I have to ask you something. Okay, if you could go any place with anyone, who would you take? I would take Dora, because she's got everything in that backpack. 
not very nice of the friend. He thinks Dora's cooler. Okay. Last one here. Hey, I found this phone. You're the first on the contact list. Could you tell your friend it's been found? Which friend? The one whose name is at the top of your screen. <laughs> oh, yeah, LOL. So can you tell them I found it? Yeah, we'll do. Hi, it's Adam. Someone found your phone. <laughs> Not a great. We should have some cacaws on that one. Oh. All right. I've got a pretty good feel of who I'm working with tonight. Um, back in August, Nikki asked me to teach on how to be a bad friend. And I thought, like, well, that's interesting. Am I being a bad friend to her, you know? I thought this might be a topic that I'm really good at. And I thought about it, and I think if we're going to get anything done tonight, I just need to have an honest moment with all of you, okay? And I think Nikki wanted this as well. Uh, my name is Tyler Wayne, and I have been a bad friend before. Here are some examples. I have had friends fall down, and I've laughed at them, and I have not checked to see if they were okay. Yeah, thank you for the cacaw. I have also, um, this is, I mean, this is just tough to say, but I don't share food. If you wanted french fries, you should have ordered them, okay? <laughs> don't eat off my plate. Thank you. Thank you. Um, not a hugger either. I don't want hugs, and I'm not going to give you a hug, okay? It's just the way it goes. You have to be, like, really, really, really sad to get a hug from me. Um, and also... I'm not going to share or repost anything on Facebook. Who uses Facebook anymore? So many people ask me to share and repost things. Unless, like, Nabisco or Pepsi starts giving away lifetime supplies of Orange Crush or Oreos, not going to repost anything on Facebook. So I feel like we had our honest moment. You know that I'm a bad friend sometimes, all right? And I'm maybe not the best resource for how to be a good friend. If we want to kind of turn this around a little bit here. Instead of talking about being a bad friend, let's talk about how to not be a bad friend. And I think there's this guy, Jesus, who might be a better example than me on how to not be a bad friend. So Jesus came down to earth to live the perfect human life. He was, <clears throat> he was never a bad friend and still isn't a bad friend. He's the best example of being a true friend we can find. If we were going to make a list of his friendship qualities, that list may include humble, honest, compassionate, encouraging, loyal, accountable, brave, loving, forgiving, sacrificial. That is quite the friendship resume. With a resume like that, I think we need to spend a good chunk of our time tonight looking at just how Jesus was the perfect friend and how his time here on earth can give us four easy steps to not being a bad friend for the rest of our time here on earth. I first want to start with how Jesus picked his friends. Yeah, he went out one day and he picked 12 dudes that would be his closest friends. This story is in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. I'm going to give you a short little version of it here. Um, these 12 fishermen were out in the boat, and they weren't catching a thing. Jesus strolls up and shouts to them, throw your nets on the other side of the boat, and then all of a sudden they're catching fish like crazy. Their nets break because they are catching so many fish. So the 12 men leave everything and choose to follow Jesus. Boom, Jesus has the tw his 12 best friends, and he tells them that they will now be fishers of men. So Jesus went out and found 12 rough and tough fishermen and picked them to be his best friends. He could have picked anyone, a king, a wizard, a dog, a donut fryer, anyone. And he picked these 12 fishermen. So I got to thinking, if I could pick any 12 friends, like who would I pick? So here's my squad here. You can tell me what you think of it. Um, yep, there's my 12. Uh, let me explain. My wife's first, obviously. Come on. Will Smith was a close second, though. Then Hermione Granger with all of her wizarding skills. 
Um, I've got Channing and Ellen for that Hollywood connection. Like, Ellen gives away free TVs to strangers. Imagine how good she is to her friends. I got Zendaya, J-Lo for kind of that music connection. Uh, Dwayne Johnson's kind of my general. And then, of course, I got my athletes, Curry, Kittle, Rizzo, Ertz. You see my squad coming up. You know we're going to have a pretty good time. But other than my wife, I kind of didn't pick this squad for, like, the best reasons, all right? I was really looking um, at what I could get, what the, my status could be, what I could get out of those friends. Um, so when we think about, <laughs> so many times we are looking for friends that can make us cooler, get us those concert tickets, make our videos go viral, or get us that blue check mark. We're looking to get more out of the friendship than what we put in. We aren't thinking about how we could encourage our friends and invest our time in helping them grow and make their own strides. We just can't wait to show people at school that Kim K favorited our Insta collage. Jesus didn't go pick the people with all the connections. He didn't pick, pick the people who were more well-known than him, him at the time. And he was looking to spread his word and start his, this huge movement. I would have thought for sure he would have snagged like the head of a major record label back then to be one of his 12 friends. But he didn't. He picked 12 fishermen that he could encourage and teach. He could keep them on the path and show them what it means to put others first. That's my first step for tonight to not being a bad friend. It's be an encourager. Encourage your friends to stay on the right path. We all have so many temptations throughout our days to stray off that path. We need people encouraging us to live our lives for Jesus. Find those friends that will encourage you to grow in your faith and be the encourager in your friendships as well. Now, after I wrapped my head around Jesus' friend draft, I started wondering if he ever called out his friends, you know? What happened if they strayed off the path? What did he do if his friends were maybe getting a little too big time as friends of Jesus? In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus' friends were pretty curious. They asked Jesus some tough questions. And if you have spent some time reading about Jesus' life here on earth, you know that Jesus often answered these tough questions with stories called parables. And his answers usually put the question right back on the person who asked it. He pushed people, including his own friends, to do their own thinking, to kind of reflect upon their actions and thoughts and make the decisions for themselves if they needed to make some changes in their life. So you can open up your Bibles, Matthew chapter 18, and it's verses 21 through 35. It shows a great example of how Jesus didn't just encourage his friends. He was honest about sin, and his honesty pushed his friends to grow and challenge themselves. So that's Matthew 18, 21 through 35. It's the parable of the unmerciful servant. It reads like this. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay you back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when, the, when the ser that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. 
He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went out and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You, you wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. That was quite the answer to Peter's question. I love Peter, too. He's like, hey, Jesus, I forgave someone seven times. Was that too much? Am I getting really good at this? I go overboard again. And Jesus doesn't, like, flat out tell Peter that he was way off the path on this one. But he tells this story that is kind of like a riddle. And he lets Peter do some self-reflection. As long as we remember to do it, it's easy to encourage our friends to stay on the right path. But once they stray off the path, that's the tough part. What do we do? I'll tell you right now, every friend in every situation is different. Some people want to know right away when they've made mistakes. Some people are cool with talking about it as long as it's kept as like a private issue. Some people just want to push things down and save that self-reflection for a rainy day when they are maybe in a better spot. It also depends on what kind of state you or your friend is in. If I'm feeling really down on myself because I haven't made a right decision in like about three weeks, I'm not sure how well I will respond to my, friend, when my friend, to my friend when they want to talk about how I've messed up with them. Be an honest friend, and more importantly, be honest about sin. That's step number two for tonight. And have discussions with your friends about good ways to bring up sin that you think they might be struggling with or you might be struggling with. Iron sharpens iron. If we aren't honest about sin with our friends, we aren't doing our part to push them and take their next steps in their faith. And don't forget, this is a two-way street here. You have to be ready and willing to listen to your friends when they try to be honest with you about your sins. As tough as it is to talk, about, talk with your friends about their struggles, I promise you it's even harder to hear them talk to you about your own struggles. Now that I talked about how things aren't always rainbows and butterflies with our friends, there are those times where you don't want to bring up ways your friend may be struggling because they can barely stand up. They may be struggling with a boyfriend or girlfriend relationship, school troubles, family arguments and fights, or maybe even something more serious. What do good friends do in those tough times? I asked, what did Jesus do in those tough times for his friends? Well, it doesn't get much tougher than what Jesus went through during his last days on earth before his crucifixion. Tough times were coming for all of his friends. Check out what he did for them. He, had kind of a, he saw what was coming, so this was a little bit before the tough times. But if you open up your Bibles, John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. So right at the beginning of 13 here. It tells a pretty crazy story of friendship. And any time, I always said, if I ever teach on friendship, I have to use this story somehow. It's pretty cool. John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. It reads like this. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon, 
to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, "Lord, are you going to wash my feet?" Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their, Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he had said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Now we can't always see the tough times coming like Jesus did here. We quite often find ourselves in the thick of these tough times after the bad things have happened, after the breakup, after the diagnosis, after the party that went so wrong. No matter what, we have to be there in those tough times for our friends, and we have to push towards Jesus. That's step number three for tonight. We have to be there, and we have to humble ourselves. We don't have to have all the answers. We don't always know exactly what to say or do to make everything better. We don't know what good is going to come out of this. The disciples didn't quite know what Jesus was doing that night. I don't know if you've washed anyone's feet before, but it sounds like one of the most humbling experiences we could have with our friends. Jesus went on that night to serve his friends and humble himself before some of the toughest times of their lives. They were about to lose their best friend and leader. And some of those disciples were hours away from betraying Jesus and denying their best friend. And what did Jesus do? He was there for them. He served them one last time in hopes that they would understand that this is what we do for our friends in tough times. People remember who was there for them in their darkest hours. I busted my leg playing football. My brother drove me to work every day for four weeks. I didn't even ask him to. He simply just asked what time he should pick me up in the morning. And I remember in high school when my parents' friends passed away. Um, I was, it was a long battle with cancer, and I was pretty close with them. And I was up in my bedroom um, just contemplating this whole concept of death and things like that. And it overlooks the driveway, and I see my buddy's big astro van come up. Um, they picked me up, whole group of friends. We went to Cold Stone, ate a bucket of Oreo overload, and had some much-needed laughs. Your friend might need a laugh. They might need someone just to sit with them and look through old pictures without making a sound. They might need prayer for understanding and strength. No matter what they need, be there for them during those tough times and push them towards Jesus. Here we are. I said there were four steps. We're at our last step for not being a bad friend. 
if you have noticed the pattern, each step has gotten like more and more difficult for us. Each step asks more of us as a friend. Each step has pushed us further out of our comfort zone. This last one is the toughest. And here is the last thing Jesus did for his friends during his time here on earth. You can open your Bibles to Luke 23, and it's verses 44 through 46. It reads like this. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. Jesus gave his life for his friends and all of us. He gave everything. He sacrificed it all for us. We have to be ready to be sacrificed our needs to help out our friends. And now slow down. I'm not talking like ride or die friends here, literally. But I'm talking about the simple act of putting others' needs before our own. That's step number four tonight. We have to be ready for that. It's a simple act, but man, it's so tough because of our selfish nature. It's so hard for me, and I'm trying, I'm constantly trying to think of ways to remind myself to think of others. I need to humble myself, think of others' needs, and then act. I notice it a lot, but that act part is really tough. You might, you might need to get up a little early in the morning to maybe give a friend a ride. It might be giving up a weekend of fun to stay back in town just to be a, around a friend who's maybe dealing with loss. I just talked about being there for friends in their tough times. Tough times, here's the weird thing about them, they don't only happen when like your schedule allows it. We are all so busy these days, I challenge you to slow down that busy schedule and just look around at others. Look around at your friends. Really look at them and their actions. Are they in need of a true friend? Are you willing to make the sacrifice to be there for them? To put more into the friendship than you get out of the friendship? Are you willing to take the leap and be honest with them? It's so scary. Are you willing to push them towards Jesus? Jesus gave us the example of the perfect friend. Then he gave his life for us so that we could live this life here on earth and have the chance to accept the gift of eternal life in heaven with him. Take some time tonight to reflect. While you are living this life here on earth, what kind of friend have you been? What kind of friend do you want to be? And what kind of friend are you going to be? I'm going to invite the band out. I'm going to pray here, but think about those questions. Dear Jesus, I thank you um, for getting us all here tonight. Um, we finally had some good weather and no snow. I thank you uh, for what you did for your friends and all of us. You made the ultimate sacrifice. And the example that you set for us was so perfect. Such a perfect friend. I pray that we can take some time tonight and just figure out what kind of friend we've been 
and what kind of friend you made us to be. What's our potential for being a friend to others? I pray that uh, we can go into the night with open hearts, we can be honest, and we can take those next steps. In your name.